When we look into the traditions of the Ahlul Bayt and the narrations of Muhammad, we find that he actually mentions by name a prophet that was sent to Europe, and that is Aristotle. My dear friend Runa. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me here. So Runa, since uh, today is the first time that we're going to be recording an episode together, and uh, uh, because it's the first time that our viewers are uh, getting to see you, you're a... Uh, a European citizen. Mm -hmm. uh, you are a descendant of the Greeks and the Romans uh, because of the uh, ideology and the uh, ideas that that they spread throughout the entire region, which has till this day affected every single European on the continent. Uh, you're quite the philosopher as well. And so we're going to have today a philosophical discussion Mm -hmm. about um, some of Europe's greatest minds. Okay, that's great. Okay. Yeah. Can you take a moment and, and describe the type of background that you came from? Because you didn't come from a traditional uh, Judaic Christian uh, upbringing. Mm -hmm. um, my parents, they were born Christian. Uh, I'm German. Um, but they deregistered from the church um, uh, throughout their lives because they couldn't stand really the crimes that were uh, committed in the name of God by the Christian church. So I think a lot of Germans went through that uh, journey, but a lot of them are still, they just uh, maintain registered with the church because they would find it maybe odd to break away from, from, any, from all forms of belief. Um, my parents, they um, clearly said, um, there's one force that's controlling everything, but we don't want to label it because we feel personally that religions are probably uh, man-made and maybe they're just there to maintain power or gain power. Um, so you got to find your own way. Um, and I thought, uh, and they wanted to give me the freedom as well, but they taught me two things. They said, um, there are only two things we can teach you. Never follow um, the masses and always do unto others as you want done unto you. So they allowed you to choose your own religion mm -hmm. and to think for yourself and to find the truth for your own self. Mm -hmm. That's amazing. So... Um, yeah, so you grew up then and you became uh, quite the philosopher, as all those who know you uh, testify to that. Thank you. Okay, so now uh, in light of that and in light of your journey and in light of your background and you being a European citizen uh, and the fact that uh, uh, there are a lot of Europeans that are agnostics or atheists. Uh, let's talk about um, the messengers that were sent uh, to Europe, that were sent to ancient Greece and ancient Rome over the course of the coming uh, period with you and the conversations uh, that we have. Uh, the first thing that comes to mind 
when we're talking about messengers that were sent, and we know that God sent 124,000 prophets and messengers, and and even though the three major Western religions, which are Judaism, Christianity, and Islam, uh, highlight this uh, topic and this aspect of there being messengers that are sent to God, but their books primarily only mention uh, the Semitic uh, prophets that were sent either to the Jewish people, the Israelites, or uh, were sent to uh, the Arabs uh, through Ismail. Um, uh, and examples of uh, Arab prophets are, for example, like Salah, like Hud, uh, and uh, uh, even uh, Shu'aib and Muhammad and examples of Hebrew prophets uh, that were mentioned uh, in these books and traditions are uh, Jesus, Moses, Ezekiel, Elisha, Elijah, all of those. But we have a lack of mentioning of names of prophets that were sent to other nations. Mm. And so uh, uh, let's go over that for a moment. Uh, when we look into the traditions of the Ahlul Bayt and the narrations of Muhammad, we find that he actually mentions by name a prophet that was sent to Europe, and that is Aristotle. He mentioned uh, his name in two traditions. Uh, the first tradition was when the Prophet Muhammad said, I am the Aristotle of this nation. And therefore, he's comparing himself uh, to Aristotle. And the Prophet Muhammad, being a divine messenger from God, would never compare himself to somebody who was a disbeliever or a pagan uh, idolater uh, uh, or, or a worshiper of idols. Uh, he would only compare himself to somebody who was also a messenger from God or at the very least praised by uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, somebody who was favored from God, somebody who was from the people of paradise. Uh, and so now we get an insight that he could be a prophet, he could be divinely appointed, and that thought is actually confirmed in another uh, narration that the Muslims have, where Amr ibn Nas was sent to Egypt, Alexandria, and he comes back and he's describing the different things that he encountered and saw over there, and he curses a group of people uh, which he describes as sitting around in circles uh, discussing the teachings of a pagan by the name of Aristotle. And the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa and I've noticed some people are asking like, what does it mean sallallahu alayhi wa And it is uh, peace be upon him and his family. And so uh, the Prophet Muhammad stops him and he says, don't curse Aristotle because he was a prophet, but he was unknown to his people. And this hadith, it gives us insight into a couple different things. One of them is the notion that there were prophets who were sent to other nations but were unknown that they were prophets by their people. That means that the prophet never identified himself openly as being a prophet or a messenger. He never said, 
I am a prophet or messenger using that particular title. And when people wonder or if people ask, why is it the case or how is it the case? All the Hebrew prophets and messengers and the Arab ones, they always claimed to be prophets and identified themselves as such to their nation. So how could Aristotle be a prophet when he himself in his writings um, you know, what has survived about him never said, I'm a prophet. And the answer uh, really comes in, in, in when you reflect over the, the location, the area the, that he was living in and the time period in which he was living in. And you will find that there were probably many prophets and messengers around the world that were sent to nations uh, that were following different religions that didn't even have this notion or this idea of uh, there being prophets or messengers as a part of it. So the people wouldn't have even understood what he was talking about if he claimed to be a prophet or messenger, and they would have right off the bat disregarded or rejected um, this claim because they would have said, we have not found such a claim uh, being part of our religious traditions or thoughts. So for example, people uh, back in the day in Greece or in Rome, they were worshiping all of these different uh, gods and goddesses, you know, whether it's uh, Zeus or, or Jupiter or Mars or uh, any of them. Uh, these these gods that existed, the people would make sacrifices to them. Uh, people would worship particular gods and go to the temple of that god. But there was, and it was, they had legends of these gods coming down to the earth. Hmm. But what they didn't have was um, this idea that Mars or Jupiter or Zeus would send a human being uh, as a messenger in every age to the people. And because the people always had the freedom to choose but between the different gods or, or that they could worship without uh, being considered to be enemies of the other gods uh, per se, um, then even if somebody came and claimed to be a messenger from God, well, which God would you claim to be a messenger uh, from? And uh, then you would have other people that might claim that they are messengers from another God, and it would open up a giant can of uh theological worms that the society would have to grasp and deal with. And so they, uh, the prophets would have spoken to the people in the same way that the Prophet Muhammad commanded uh, his companions to speak to the people. And that was when he said, uh, speak to the people in a, according to their intellect or according to their understanding or their mental capacity. And so they would have also spoken to their nations according to their um, mental capacity. Sure. Do you understand? As long as there's room for a competition. Uh, like, yeah, it's not clear that exactly. there's one God and there's so many gods or one messenger. Yeah, but uh, yet it's still um, a proof that God like takes care of um, of every nation and kind of um, takes care that their conscience evolves uh, and their understanding gets uh, guided. So it's always up to us whether we take that guidance or we leave it. Yeah, and I think that's a that's an extremely beautiful um, 
concept and 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 two very beautiful hadiths uh, that show that uh, the you know that God Allah Subhanahu wa Taala uh, you know didn't forget about anybody and did send uh, prophets and messengers to every other nation. He didn't just send them to the sons of Abraham through Isaac mm-hmm. or Ismail, but that there were. This is a confirmation uh, that these prophets were sent, and I think that it's interesting to note too that. Uh, Aristotle, him being one of the most influential shapers of uh, Western, uh, you know, thought is mentioned as a prophet because, you know, it makes us stop and say, hey, you know, if the prophets were from God and God is the Lord of all things and he's the most knowledgeable, then obviously his messengers also would have been the most knowledgeable of creation. And, and if there were messengers that were sent to humanity that were the most knowledgeable of creation, then naturally they would have been uh, the people that would have influenced their societies, or at least you would see traces in history, maybe not for all of them, but for a lot of them, you would have seen uh, traces in history. And certainly uh, Aristotle's name lives on till today. And he's uh, definitely left a mark, um, you know, on in history. The second thing that we can we can withdraw from these hadiths that the prophet identified, uh, where the prophet identified Aristotle as having been a prophet, we know that a prophet, uh, you know, he learns from God. That's his source of knowledge, and uh, you know, and he also would learn from the prophet that comes before him. Uh, so you have uh, the Prophet Muhammad teaching Imam Ali alayhi salam. Uh, you know, even though Imam Ali is not a prophet, he's a divinely appointed Imam. You have uh, Moses teaching Aaron. You have uh, Elijah teaching Elisha. You have different prophets that are uh, teaching the prophet that comes after him. As such, you have now uh, Aristotle being taught by another very important philosopher who helped shape the entire regions uh, and the world's, um, you know, uh, philosophical thinking and were one of the greatest contributors uh, to uh, Western thought. And that is Plato, who he himself, everything that he taught was the result of the teachings which he received from his teacher, and that was Socrates. And and the West, everybody knows in history, not just in the West, but in the world, that uh, three of the greatest philosophers of all time were Socrates, Plato, and Aristotle. Each and every one of them uh, was a teacher or student of the one before. And uh, Aristotle, uh, at the end of the line, uh, really shaped the entire world because he had a student uh, who was Alexander the Great. And he uh, taught Alexander and he directed Alexander and he influenced Alexander's uh, openings and conquests uh, that he did uh, throughout the world and and that shaped the entire world and helped uh, bridge the nations together and uh, it it had a large cultural theological impact on the entire planet. Hmm. True. So, yeah, we see that um, God takes care of every nation, just like it says in the Quran, like one of these... um, like most beautiful surahs um, or verses uh, where it says that God sends a messenger to every nation, but just us who haven't been aware of uh, all these messengers. 
throughout time. Yes. Okay, so let's now um, put this assumption to the test. We know that Aristotle is a prophet, but let's now uh, take a look and compare and further prove that uh, this idea is correct, that Socrates and Plato were also uh, prophets that were sent by God, that they were three of the 124,000 uh, prophets and messengers uh, that were sent forward and compare because, you know, people find difficulty uh, when accepting them as prophets to kind of, uh, they, they would say, well, okay, well, where do we find the connection? Like, how, we don't find necessarily that these guys were preaching uh, monotheism or the same thing that the rest of the Hebrew prophets and messengers, um, you know, were were preaching or were teaching. And I think that that is incorrect. And all we have to do is to go to uh, Plato. And Plato had this book, which was called The Republic. And uh, The Republic was actually, it's The Republic of Socrates, because he was just writing down all of the teachings and the conversations and the words of his teacher, Socrates. And uh, it was Socrates' proposal for a divine just state uh, in which uh, he dreamed would one day exist and uh, in which Socrates was saying it is the only way that justice can fill the earth. And um, that idea of a divine just state is in the narrations uh, of Muhammad and the family of Muhammad, the goal that all of the prophets and the messengers, all of them, all 124,000 of them were working to accomplish uh, and to see, and they dreamt of seeing this state. So even if the message is different because the people that are receiving the message uh, have different beliefs or ideas, uh, that theme we should see in the works of and teachings of every one of those 124,000 uh, messengers that uh, came across uh, the planet because naturally each and every one of them would want uh, that their societies, that their nations uh, be prosperous and, and uh, you know, be in a state of, uh, of peace. So, why don't you give us a little bit of an introduction, Runa, about uh, this book uh, that you love so much uh, and that so many people around the planet love, uh, The Republic. Okay, um, I would say it's a misunderstood book uh, a lot of times because people, are, the broad public, didn't um, realize that this book stems from a monotheist. Um, most people in the West just think it's talking about another like political system that could be nice to have but is not necessarily maybe the best one. It does say basically that the wisest person should rule and... Um, it's also it was interesting to me that um, it uh, it dissects society into three groups basically the rulers and um, then the warriors and the producers and it's kind of in parallel to another um, concept about the soul which um, was also taught by Plato and Socrates I believe that the soul consists of three parts um, in any case like the the, the logic is that the wisest person should be the one in power or the one in charge. 
um, of course, the question becomes like, how do we find the wisest person? And even within those writings, um, these dialogues between Socrates and Plato, um, there was this one um, story that the oracle was, and Delphi had been asked, who's the wisest person? And um, the oracle said, uh, Socrates. But Socrates kind of rejects that um, notion and says, um, all I know is that I don't know anything. So, um, yeah, like part of being wise is to know that... Um, that the only one who can ultimately know is not a normal human being. So humbleness is like um, the basis, in a way, of, of wisdom. Yeah, so he is interesting to note now. Uh, you mentioned a lot uh, you know, of ideas in this that we're going to start dissecting bit mm -hmm. by bit. Yeah, so Socrates, um, he was looking towards an ideal world. And he recognized that in an ideal world, um, there, there is justice. The absence of justice uh, means injustice and means the rule of, uh, of the devil, the rule of darkness. And it's interesting to know at the outstart that Socrates was very much against democracy. Uh, and that is uh, perhaps surprising uh, to people that don't know much about um, you know, uh, Socrates and, and, and Plato and Aristotle, uh, because uh, they influence so much the West and they're so beloved by the West and in uh, the Vatican Museum and in other museums throughout Europe, they have these statues of them and they were, uh, praised and, and, and held to such a high regard and standard. And they still, uh, serve as uh, role models, uh, at universities and, um, you know, and, and their words are taught to students students uh, on the tongues of the professors till this very day. Uh, and yet the European societies, they have adopted democracy as a form of rule. And yet the, one of the smartest thinkers of all of Europe said that this was an extremely bad idea. And he warned uh, the Europeans from ever, uh, you know, messing with democracy. He called it the rule of the mob. And he said that any democracy would eventually lead to tyranny uh, because uh, what democracy essentially is, is that uh, the masses decide to do whatever it is that they want to do. Uh, anybody who could get enough people on their side and appeal to enough people to accept a certain idea, even if that idea was harmful uh, to the very uh, people that were that were electing or, or accepting the idea, um, that he would be able to implement it. And, and, and that this is uh, the rule of uh, injustice. And uh, so he was against that. And he proposed a different form of government. And that is the government which is described in the Republic, uh, which, as you mentioned, break is broken down into uh, three. Uh, so society would be broken down into uh, three parts. Uh, the first part is the producers, and, and, and this is the largest part of society. And the people who would make up this part of society 
are all those people that are concerned about base desires. And mm. in any country, in any society, that is really the, the majority of people, that's what they're concerned with. They're concerned with living a good life, mm. with, with, with uh, eating good food, uh, living comfortably, uh, making families, enjoying um, their, their lives. Uh, he said that all those people that 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 aspect of their nefs, you know, their their lower self uh, controlled them, you know, these these people would have to uh, participate in society in doing that function, either being butchers or being farmers or or, uh, you know, uh, being tradesmen or or doing some sort of function that would allow them to gain a living and contribute towards uh, society. And at the same time, they would be totally forbidden from ever interfering in uh, the higher uh, levels of government. No, they could never participate in it. Their opinion didn't matter. Um, and they, they couldn't give an opinion anyway. Yeah. It's... Because any opinion that they had would be, a, would be a wrong opinion. It would not be a good opinion because um, their nature, it was, not, it was not meant for them to rule. Uh, they're not concerned about the welfare of uh, the whole. They're concerned more about their own individual uh, you know, lives. And so they would naturally, uh, if they were to rule, it would, it would basically collapse the entire uh, country or the state. Then there was a second group of people. And uh, they're, they're basically commanded by their, their honor, by their dignity, by their hearts, um, not by their bellies, like the first class. Mm-hmm. Uh, this second class, uh, they're motivated, um, you know, more by their 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 good nefs, so to speak. You know, and uh, they're motivated by, uh, you know, a desire to protect uh, the rest of 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 society. Mm-hmm. And and uh, they want to be, uh, they want to attain concepts such as nobility they want to be noble they want to they want to have honor uh, they want to have dignity these this class of people would 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 be chosen from society and they would be uh, basically given the task to be part of a military force that protects the rest of the society so it's a smaller circle than the the bottom class and the bottom class would work and they would have to feed the military for free Hmm. these guys would never work in the field these guys would work in the field these guys would provide food for themselves and would provide food free of charge you know so that the military class has a living uh, and the, in exchange, the military class would would swear an oath to always defend the bottom class, and uh, they wouldn't have normal lives like they would. They wouldn't, um, you know, get uh, married in that sense. Although they would uh, have children, and mm-hmm. we'll get to that concept later. That's a that's a whole different episode where we talk about uh, marriage and its differences between the lower class and the middle class versus the 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 top of the pyramid, so to speak. 
And uh, so they would they would be that defenders of the city, defenders of society, and their reward would be the uh, the honor that they get uh, from performing that function. And then Socrates believed then that the whole uh, you know state would would be ruled by the what he termed the philosopher king and the philosopher king is somebody who pretty much gets the divine inspirations from god mm-hmm. who god had completed his intellect uh and because his intellect is completed his morals and manners are also complete and he is not capable of making mistakes Uh, because uh, and and nobody else can defeat him in an argument or defeat him uh, in a debate. He is the smartest. He's the best. Um, he is the most fit because God is the one that obviously created him uh, in this way with with him being the smartest of society. And therefore, uh, he is the divinely appointed king. And uh, Socrates said that uh, it would be him who would basically determine who the successor would be. Mm-hmm. So the king that would come after, you know, would also have to uh, be the, you know, he could come from any level in society. He could even the next king mm-hmm. could come from the lower level of society. So he could be okay. born to a peasant. He could be born to a farmer. He could be born to the warrior class, right? But uh, as he grows up, they would, because everybody would be given an opportunity to to have an education. So okay. it's not That's just fair. that you're condemned there forever. Yeah. No, you're placed there, but you could have a child who does not fit there. And if they don't fit there and they fit in the next class, this is their ambitions. This is what drives them to protect the city, to protect the state. Then they could move to that or if they are born with this divine gift of intellect mm. then they would continue to raise through the degrees until they're tested and and given the approval by the current philosopher king uh, who would name him as his successor and the next most smartest and best and most honorable uh, person in the state so everybody kind of gets to do what they want or what they're actually desiring to do. Um, just it's in a safe environment where um, a ruler that actually has divine insight um, makes sure that nothing goes wrong. Well, Because Socrates, he, he, he gave the definition for, for justice. Hmm. He, he discussed the concept of like, what is justice? And he said that justice is placing the right thing, you know, the thing in its right place. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what justice is. Justice is that you have a cup mm-hmm. and you put in it water. Uh, justice is not that you use a cup to put in it food, for example, or to put in it toys or to fill it with mud. Mm-hmm. This is not justice to the, to the cup. Uh, so you must use the cup for what it was intended to be used for by its creator or by its maker. Mm. So it's not so much that everybody in society are allowed to do whatever it is that they want to do, but more so uh, 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 the idea of putting everybody 
in the place that they were meant to be put in. So those who were naturally gifted at farming would be farmers. And those who were naturally built to be warriors would be warriors. And those who are naturally uh, meant to lead would be leaders. Hmm. I mean, the greatest gift is to have any purpose at all. I think... Um no matter where we are, like um, German people always say, like every human being wants to work and needs work and wants to feel that they're needed. So maybe the level of fulfillment can be the same regardless in which place we are, as long as it's according to our nature. And yeah, it would be good, uh, specifically for a lot of um, people that come out of school and they don't know what to do. It would be amazing if there was a place to go to, to actually find out what what would fit me the most in that uh, scenario because yeah it's dramatic like after high school you don't know what to do and you don't know how to find out what you should be doing of course yeah yeah so socrates it's put it in in lay terms uh, layman's terms it's uh, he was basically talking about uh, cultivating uh, the talents that mm -hmm. an individual would have mm -hmm. so uh, if we're talking about modern day society um, if you saw a child and the child was extremely talented at computer programming, you know, um, but for example, he was passionate about soccer, you know, mm -hmm. and he wanted to be a soccer player at some point, but the child is really skinny. He doesn't have any muscles and he's not really good at soccer, mm -hmm. you know, but he's extremely good at computer programming. It would be an injustice to the child and to society at large that we allow this child to play soccer you know, or to, um, you know, go forward, uh, you know, uh, in his career as a professional soccer player when he's not even going to make a really good game at all. He's, he's going to fail at it. He might get hurt, you know, and that brain uh, of his that he was given by God and the talent that could have benefited society and with, with his, with his coding skills and his programming skills, he yeah. could have developed programs that, uh, you know, could have uh, been part of uh, life-saving machines or, or software or hardware, uh, it would be a waste and an injustice uh, to not direct him and place him uh, in the correct place. So just like there are children that are naturally inclined and have talents uh, in specific areas, uh, There's also people that are naturally meant to rule other people because the, the tyranny inside of them is absent. They're not tyrants. They do have um, the best interest of society in mind and they're able to manage and place people in their Uh, correct uh, place and they're able to ensure that society as a whole uh, everybody that goes through life during their time period um, gets to have a good experience in life mm 
that they don't incarnate in this planet only to suffer. Mm-hmm. He is somebody who alleviates, uh, you know, the, the, the people from, from suffering and, and from bad scenarios. So when the people have a good scenario and they come into life and they're able to live comfortably mm-hmm. and perform that thing, uh, that they are talented at, thereby maximizing their contribution to society, they have also enough time and ability to uh, reflect spiritually and draw themselves closer uh, to the reality and to the truth and to God, essentially. Yeah, I mean, there's no political system that ever um, proposed a mechanism that can ensure that the right person is uh, in power. I mean, um, probably only this uh, mechanism that it's the creator himself who created the glass or created the creation or created the people puts that uh, leader in charge. Um, because, yeah, I mean, communism said we make everybody equal, kind of forceful, forcefully <laughs> didn't work. Um, democracy, as you said, is um, the rule of the mob, <clears throat> like what kind of... Um, oppressing each other and uh, also oppressing ourselves um and uh, yeah the only way to go and the only system that is really intelligent and is perfect is a system that the the religions kind of have or the the false religious rulership has hijacked and claimed for themselves like the pope and so on it's the system that people have unfortunately lost um trust in Because they've they've seen that system, that superior system, in the wrong hands. But there can only be um, one right ruler, the one who has like the the spirit of God or yeah, direct instructions. Yeah. So then, then now when we compare uh, the teachings of Socrates to the teachings of Muhammad sallallahu uh, alaihi or the teachings of Jesus or the prophets and the messengers, we find that it's actually not different. It's, it's the exact same. It's identical. Um, what Socrates is saying uh, using different terms is exactly what the prophets and the messengers in Judaism, Christianity, and Islam are saying. And you even find the law of... Uh, recognizing uh, the proof or the messenger of God uh, here, and you also find it over there. Uh, so here, uh, you know, the and, and as we explained in the episode of how to identify Imam Mahdi, and we, we stated that it was the same way that you could identify every prophet and messenger. Uh, one, he's divinely appointed. Well, over there with Socrates, the philosopher king is divinely appointed. Because it is the person who is born for that job. It was like God gave him this ability before he even came into this world. And his intellect is superior. And it's God who gives the intellect. And so he was destined, predestined to um, be the ruler of the people. Uh, so the philosopher king is divinely appointed by nature. Um, the... Prophets and the messengers were identified over here in the Semitic religions by um, by being the most knowledgeable of their people. Over there, 
the philosopher king is also the most knowledgeable of his people and is able to answer the questions which are posed to him and he, he is the one whom is the most educated um, in the semitic traditions uh, it is the it's the obligation of the believers to pledge allegiance to the imam of their time or the prophet or the messenger in their time like the quran states that we did not send a single messenger except that they were meant to be obeyed and we have over there that the philosopher king also the other classes cannot interfere in the politics or the rule of the philosopher uh, king himself and uh, and they have to obey and submit and uh, not interfere uh, in his in his in his job and effectively uh, in the semitic traditions the rule of the messenger would be the rule of god and over there with socrates the rule of the philosopher king would really be the rule of 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 the intellect it would be the rule of the complete mind it would be the rule of goodness it would be the rule of god so you have the law of recognizing the proof over here and you also have it applying to socrates he passes that and uh, and he was working for the same thing which all of the uh, prophets and the messengers were working towards and the tradition state that god did not send a single messenger except that they were concerned with establishing a divine just state they were looking for goodness for uh, humanity and prosperity and that is what uh, socrates was able to uh, uh you know to articulate in his teachings and and his ideas that uh, that this was the goal that he was also pursuing true i mean people in the west um sometimes have a hard time um, accepting anybody as better than themselves so the fact that there's not um, parties or like um, multiple people that are at the top, but it's just literally one person and it's the person that's carrying the spirit of God should be a relief for, for everybody who thinks it's, it's not good or not adequate to see anybody um, else higher than yourself. Um, I mean, it's actually necessary um, to find that person. And it's necessary to to know that God would take care of us in that sense, because otherwise we'll always be the victims who are ruled by some crazy people, really. Exactly. Um, but it's, um, you know, it was the strong, firm belief hmm. that uh, these uh, philosophers had, especially Socrates, that, you know, um, the only way to rule a society uh, and to achieve justice is uh, through the rule of the divinely appointed king, uh, the philosopher king. Okay, so let's stop there because there's a lot of stuff that we need to talk about in terms of uh, the divine just state and we'll continue in our conversations uh, regarding that um, in the coming episodes, inshallah. Thank you so okay. much for joining Thank me, Runa. Thank you so much, Father.